mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, conventional wisdom says Republicans should be well-positioned to win back control of Congress in this year's midterm elections. But the latest polling data suggests the GOP advantage has all but evaporated. Also this morning, human rights advocate, documentary filmmaker, and now author Darius Kamali tackles the most divisive issues of the day. Political correctness, the woke culture, tribalism, and identity politics in a pair of new books which encourage us to take an introspective look at our own shortcomings alongside those of others. And for anyone and everyone looking to live healthy and live well in 2022 and beyond, the Hancock County OSU Extension has resources to help reach that goal. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, January 10th, 2022. So uh, here's the thing. At the end of the week, um, I've just decided I've had enough of the cold. Just decided I've had enough of the cold and uh, and I'm going to uh, need to escape the need to escape the, the cold weather. So uh, this weekend, I'm. Yeah, flying flying to Florida for the uh, for the weekend this coming weekend. <laughs> already already looking forward to this. Um, but here's the thing: I'm a little nervous about uh, about flying. We got the uh, the flight booked and and all of this. But uh, you know the stories that have been in the news recently about uh, about flying and uh, flights being canceled and pushed back and delayed and and all of that because of the Omicron variant and staffing issues and all of this weather has been playing a part of it as well, but mostly it's been the, uh, it's been the pandemic and a, a woman recently uh, shared online. I don't know if you saw this or not it was actually uh, originally posted on the online bulletin board Reddit, but it has uh, since gone viral. This story a woman posted that she was on a flight where she could see a text message that the passenger in front of her was typing out. Now, I don't know how you can accidentally see this unless you're snooping. And uh, so that becomes part of the story here. But anyway, she says she could see the text message that the passenger in front of her was typing out, explaining how that passenger was returning from their vacation early because they had COVID-19. Uh, The first sentence of the text message read, we have COVID, shh, (laughs) don't tell anyone. Uh, Because if you've got COVID, you're not supposed to be flying. Uh, The post sparked an intense debate online about whether this woman should have read the text message and shared it with others or not. One person writing, they think... That that the passenger only typed that because she knows because she was aware the person behind her was snooping, reading her messages. She's going to be nosy. I'm going to give her something to <laughs> I'm going to be I'm going to give her something worth uh, worth seeing. So whether or not that's the case, I don't know. But uh, another person uh, suggested that uh, the the passenger who saw the message should have told the flight attendant. And uh, gotten this person thrown off the off the plane under the see something, say something rule. But uh, kind of interesting. Uh, you know, this whole thing is just sparking all of these conundrums and all of these uh, back and forth. I just thought that was kind of interesting. And especially since I'll be taking to the air uh, here next week. Yeah, I've got the, the whole week this week. I'll be here in the uh, in the studio and then... Uh, I'll be out uh, the first couple of days of uh, next week just because I'm escaping the cold for a few days. <laughs> hey, uh, it's Girl Scout cookie time. Did you know this? Uh, Girl Scout cookies are uh, are now the the order taking the the sales. Girl Scout cookie sales uh, are underway as of Friday. I think was the first day for the Girl Scout cookie sales, and um, I'm not sure. When the sale cutoff date is, but I do know from what I uh, have here in front of me that the delivery will be a month from now. So February, well, a month and a day from now, February 11th, uh, the uh, cookies will start to be delivered and then they'll uh, start selling them uh, in the uh, the booths 
you know, the various stores uh, beginning February 18th. I always and they'll be available through March 20th. Uh, those are the uh, the dates from the uh, uh, Girl Scouts of uh, Western Ohio. Uh, so anyway, I always look forward to Girl Scout cookies for a number of reasons, but especially because it gives me hope that spring will be here. I always associate Girl Scout cookies with the springtime. And so this tells me that eventually spring will get here. So I always love it when it comes to be Girl Scout cookie time because it gives me hope. Uh, there's a new uh, there's a new flavor uh, this year, a new variety this year. Uh, Adventurefuls. It's kind of a, uh, it's a peanut butter, what is it? A uh, peanut butter chocolate striped uh, cookie. Anyway, cake cookie of some kind. I don't know. Adventurefuls. It's the, uh, they look yummy. So, Anyway, Girl Scout cookie time is here, so I want to point that out. Speaking of springtime and things that we look forward to this time of year, Mardi Gras is March 1st this year, and here is the latest COVID thing. The king cakes for Mardi Gras, it appears, are going to be affected by COVID-related supply chain issues. The sweet treat that is served as part of the Mardi Gras celebrations. Uh, most bakeries and king cake suppliers in New Orleans say they are planning to maintain normal production numbers or at least hope to maintain normal production numbers. But there is an issue. Huge surges in Omicron cases are making it difficult for bakeries to stay staffed, leading to production hiccups and delays. The bakeries are also facing higher prices for all of the ingredients needed to make the king cakes for Mardi Gras. One bakery owner says he estimates the cost of the ingredients for his cakes have gone up 30 to 40 percent, but he's only charging a dollar or two extra per cake. So trying to hold the line on the price increase. Anyway, that's the uh, that's the latest there, because we always have to have something to be concerned about especially during the pandemic, and it appears it's taking its toll on Mardi Gras as well. This is an interesting story for a Monday. Did, I saw this uh, story yesterday, and uh, I didn't. I saw the headline, and I didn't read it. The uh, story was on the Newswire this morning, and I thought this is interesting. The uh, CEO of a software company in Arizona has come up with an unusual approach to the problem of staff retention amid the great resignation. You know how it is Americans uh, these days have been leaving jobs in significant numbers amid the pandemic. And so it's become a problem for companies of all shapes and sizes and all business categories. And this software company CEO has come up with a unique idea. It's a little reverse psychology He is offering a $5,000 bonus for newly hired people to quit their jobs two weeks in. So you get hired into this company, you work there for two weeks, and he will offer you $5,000 to quit. Now, this sounds counterintuitive, but Chris Runzio, who is the CEO of this company, recently explained to the Business Insider that those hiring in the market today have to move fast, saying of the $5,000 quit bonus, the offer to quit allows the dust to settle from a speedy hiring process and let the new team member throw a red flag if they're feeling anything but excited. Those who, and this is the reverse psychology part of this. In other words, words, he says it's a perk. Uh, He wants to hire people quickly, and if people are not, really sure about signing on he throws this at them tell you what you come come and work for me for two weeks if it doesn't work out i'll give you five thousand dollars you quit i'll give you five grand and that allays any fears of people jumping on board quickly and then the reverse psychology part comes in those who refuse the five thousand dollars at the end of the first two weeks will by missing out on something extra at that point in the timeline. If they give up the $5,000 offer to quit, it's because they believe in the long-term value of staying with the company. 
And they are thus, if they turn down the cash, they are thus more committed to the success of the company long term. So it's it's a good deal all the way around. Now, it doesn't say, at least not in the part of the report that I saw, uh, it doesn't say how many people have actually taken him up on the offer and how much money he may or may not have had to shell out to employees who have quit. However, interesting idea. I don't know how many other companies would reasonably be expected to sign on to that idea, but it's an interesting idea nonetheless. And uh, finally, (laughs) among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to start off your day, who knew? Apparently, the burrito was invented in North Korea. (laughs) This is the latest in North Korea which is halfway around the world from Mexico and a nation, by the way, known for its food shortages. North Korea is now claiming that the burrito was invented by Kim Jong-un's late father, Kim (laughs) Jong-il. The uh, former North Korean dictator who died in 2011, uh, according to this is the official narrative out of out of North Korea, uh, that uh, Kim Jong-il created the burrito, which he called wheat wraps. This is actually a North Korean, a report from the North Korean State News Agency. A video accompanying the story showed citizens of the hermit kingdom devouring the food, and uh, Kim suggested enjoying the burritos with tea in the winter. That's just so random that that North Korea would have claimed to have invented the burrito. <laughs> of, of all things. So there you go. Uh, I just, uh, I had to share. Uh, that is, uh, that is your collection of the first things, the most important and uh, buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. <laughs> WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, cloudy with a chance of snow showers today and a high of 22, partly cloudy tonight, a low of 9. Two brothers from Toledo have been indicted in connection with the shooting death of a Finley man nearly four years ago. Hancock County court records show that the bond for each has been set at $500,000. 56-year-old Jeffrey Gary was found shot to death in an address on Fox Street in February 2018. Another man has already been sentenced to prison for his involvement in the death. Investigators at the time of Gary's death said multiple suspects confronted him and shot him. Get more on our website. The Ohio National Guard continues to help overwhelmed hospitals with their response to the surge in COVID cases, but the 56% of Ohio Guard members who are vaccinated are the only ones eligible to help. Our state's top leaders are still sending the message that they want more Guard members to be protected. The vaccine is a part of medical readiness. I would never put a soldier or airman in harm's way without the best protection we could put on them. And this medical readiness is the exact same thing. Well, the federal deadline for National Guard members to get the COVID vaccine is June 30th, but Major General Harris has moved up the deadline for Ohio Guard members to March 31st. ONN's Yolanda Harris reporting. Get more on our website. Raise the bar. Hancock County has received a second grant from Ohio's Office of Workforce Transformation. Raise the bar. Executive Director Trisha Valesk says they are one of only 13 partnerships in Ohio receiving these competitive grant funds. We are just very excited to be a two-time awardee of this new industry sector partnership grant from the state of Ohio. It really is a testament to the strong work that we have going on here in Hancock County and for the Northwest Ohio region when it comes to workforce development efforts. Get more on Raise the Bar Hancock County and this new grant on our website. Arlington United Methodist Church says the baby Jesus that was taken from their new nativity has been returned. So we posted on about Facebook and a little bit of whimsical post about it and kind of went a little viral. <laughs> so it's been, been kind of a mixed blessing and that we've you know, kind of met a lot of new people. And the pastor thanks the parties who returned their baby Jesus saying they did the right thing and we are good. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com.
Well, conventional wisdom says Republicans should be well-positioned to win back control of Congress in this year's midterm elections, but the latest polling data suggests the GOP advantage has all but evaporated in recent weeks, and one former Bush administration official believes she knows why. Former speechwriter and communications consultant Jean Card currently serves as co-chair of the Right Now Women PAC, and Gene, now, first of all, to put some context on this, we're talking about generic polling data where voters are asked their preference between the incumbent and any candidate from the opposing party, or in some cases, especially since we're dealing with redistricting this year, where there is no incumbent, uh, a pair of non-specific candidates uh, from opposing parties, right? That's right. And, and to be honest, I don't, I don't put a lot of stake in that, that type of survey for, for the for the reasons that really you just explained. I mean, this comes down to uh, race by race, state by state, like that that's what's going to happen in 22. Well, and that's what I was going to ask. How reliable is this kind of polling, especially this far out? Because obviously a lot can happen between now and the election. Yeah, I don't put much stock in it at all. I really don't. Um, I do think that it's the GOP needs to take note when, when numbers like this come out that indicate that our side is slipping. Essentially, I would look at this more like a public approval poll or that type of thing, like the party broadly. And yes, that's a concern. Like, do we need to look in the mirror and say, are we are we doing this the right way? Is our message right? Is our strategy right? It's, it's an important heads up, but I don't think it speaks to what will really happen in November. So in other words, yes, a lot can happen between now and then, but this would seem to suggest that a lot does need to happen between now and then. So this polling, which is from USA Today and Suffolk University, by the way, shows a 10-point slide for Republicans since November from an 8-point GOP lead to a 2-point deficit. What happened? This is a hard time for the Republican Party, and and anyone who says otherwise is sugarcoating it. Uh, we are not we are not fully united, right? What do you see in the headlines about Republicans in the last few weeks? Yeah, you see a couple of leaders in Congress who are standing up and saying we don't think this is the party of Donald Trump, right? You've got Cheney and Kinzinger who are serving on the January 6th commission, Mm -hmm. uh, publicly saying this is not the right direction for our party. And then you've got, on the other hand, you've got people who are still very much uh, enthusiastic about Donald Trump and say, this is where our party is. This is who our party is. So that schism is evident to the voters and to the citizens of, of the United States. I mean, it's, I think that's what's going on. They understand that division within a party weakens that party. And you make a good point, and I can hear uh, a lot of people saying, is this just another way, though, for the never-Trumpers to try and make their case for the party to break free of the former president? Well, this is an ongoing battle. I mean, this this isn't—I know this may feel like a moment in time because of the anniversary of January 6th, but this is an ongoing situation. There's a tug of war going on. And frankly, it's going to be played out very differently in different states and different districts. I mean, look at what happened. I live in Northern Virginia. Glenn Youngkin proved that we can win in a blue-ish or blue state with a non-Donald Trump handbook. There are candidates all over the country that are going to, that looked at that and said, thank goodness, because that's not my style. That's not my type of Republican. I can do it differently in my state or district. Yeah, because there are a lot of Republicans and and maybe even the majority who would argue that this is not about Donald Trump. This is about a GOP that for too many years was willing to water down their conservative positions in the name of compromise with the Democrats. I mean, rightly or wrongly, that's what they believe. And they say what this is about is standing firm in those traditional values instead of what they see see as uh, having become a uh, sort of a wishy-washy party. You know, that's, I, I do agree with that, but it, to me, that goes back a couple of years. That's more Tea Party than Trump to me. I feel like that was a moment where, where GOP voters said, you know what, we, conservatism, conservatism is important. Our principles, our philosophy is important. But Trump became, it became a little more about uh, personality. I, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but I think I think we're in a slightly different place right now. I would love to see it be a return to the philosophical argument, frankly, Mm -hmm. personally. Yeah. 
So in order to turn this around, and again, uh, you don't want to uh, overplay this polling this early, but at the same time, as you were mentioning, it's certainly worth noting. So in order to turn it around, uh, because again, the end goal is to recapture control of Congress then for Republicans, what has to be done? So what can we what can we as Republicans coalesce around? And I think you're, the point you just made supports this. We can still rally around issues. That's what happened in Virginia with Youngkin, right? People, whether they were sort of Trump type Republicans or more old school Republicans, we all liked that Glenn Youngkin said, look at local issues, look at what's going on with schools. Parents have an important voice. These were issues, policies that we agreed on as Republicans. I think that's what we have to rally around is the issues and the philosophy that we do share across the board, whether or not we personally were into Trump. So here's the big question. Do you see any sign that that uh, is going to happen between now and then? Well, again, I found the the Virginia election to be a sign of that. Um, You know, it's it's tough because we don't have anything more current right now where we have this uh, January 6th and and former President Trump being prominent again. So it's a little tough to answer that question right now. But I certainly have seen that, you know, I've been involved in Republican politics for, I guess, about 30 years now. And I certainly see us always return to the issues and the and the ideas of limited government and personal responsibility, lower taxes, less regulation. Mm-hmm. We do come around to that over and over and over, and I'm confident that we can come around to it again. Can it also be argued that all of this may be a moot point if the president's approval numbers continue on the trajectory they have been in the past several months? I mean, uh, all the GOP really has to do is sit back and let the president continue to flounder. I mean, certainly that's happened before. Very fair point. Very fair point, Chris. I mean, this this is our 22 is ours to lose. I don't think there's any question about that because Biden is a weak president. He's not doing well. And, you know, we we really... <laughs> to say it because I hate to even throw it out there, right? Because when you say it's ours to lose, like we could, you know, yeah. any any party and any set of candidates can screw things up. But we have, <laughs> let me put it more positively. This is a tremendous opportunity yeah. when you not only have an incumbent president, right? The uh, opposition is likely to win houses in this cycle anyway. And then you have a president who is not popular, who is perceived as ineffective and weak. It's a tremendous opportunity for Republicans. May we not waste it. Yeah, the uh, stars seem to be aligned uh, all they have to do is not screw it up uh, again the f- <laughs> former speechwriter and communications consultant Gene Card currently serves as co-chair of the Right Now Women Pack. Gene thanks very much for uh, taking the time and sharing your insight we appreciate it thanks Chris great to be with you Boy, oh boy, what a hot button issue this has been uh, really over the past uh, several years uh, after spending two decades producing uh, television documentaries and uh, animation features. Uh, Darius Kamali has uh, expanded from Hollywood into publishing with a couple of uh, very uh, timely and uh, thought provoking books. Uh, One is called Mistake of Identity and the other Dog Whistling Dixie Past the Graveyard. Darius, thanks very much, first of all, for uh, for joining us. Let me ask the obvious question, uh, how and why you went from a, a successful Hollywood career to tackling these uh, topics, identity politics and political correctness and tribalism and, you know, all of these uh, types of things. What uh, inspired you to make such a shift? Good morning, Chris. Uh, Yeah, you are right. I've actually had uh, even uh, more diverse career than that. I started off in human rights uh, where I worked for uh, an NGO, non-governmental organization called International Monitor Institute, supported by the State Department. And it was the visual evidence wing for everything bad in the world. You were talking about... um, uh, tribunals for war crimes, crimes against humanity, genocide. So I got to witness firsthand sort of the worst imaginable things that people do to each other hmm. based largely on identity is the way I put it now. And uh, later I transitioned to documentaries and then the Hollywood side of things, which you would think is the opposite end of the world from all of that. Yeah, right? yeah. And it is, of course, uh, in every way. But in its own way, it's also, you know, Hollywood really can't, is even unrecognizable without the concept of identity. It sells us, you know, archetypal identities 
for all of us to identify with, right? It privileges certain identities historically and exclude other, excludes others and manipulates identities. And these days, the last few years, as you mentioned, yeah, uh, you know, the woke game is being played. And that, that to me is still also still dominated by identity. Plus my personal background, just being an immigrant to the United States and, and uh, coming from a mixed background, I think identity, I've sort of realized, trumps everything. And, and that pun was intended. But, <laughs> and, and so, uh, you know, the pandemic was the final catalyst for me to have the time uh, and also um, play around on social media and enough to see, oh my gosh, what's going on out there is fairly appalling. And so I started to uh, write some, essentially, tweets, for lack of a better word, and they got some good responses. And these books, um, both Mistake of Identity and uh, Dog Whistling Dixie Past the Graveyard, essentially are a combination of what you would call a, a contemporary tweet and a 19th century aphorism. <laughs> so as you point out, this is not a new phenomenon. I mean, uh you know, these things have existed in one way or another, on one level or another, uh, maybe even since the beginning of time. So how how do we get to where we are today and how should we look at where we are today through the lens of history? Yeah, you're right. They are absolutely not new. In fact, I would go so far as to say they are as old as biology, right, that humans uh, separated themselves by uh, through one mechanism or another into groups, whether you call that tribes or nations or or uh, languages, whatever the case may be. Yeah, but it, it certainly has come to the to the forefront, and I think the internet is a part of that. Uh, we are now more aware of the tribalism, and there's a schizophrenia going on in our culture. Uh, if you put it the way that we're discussing it today, people will obviously understand that it's problematic. But at other times in our lives, we, we absolutely uh, uh, advocate for identity when, when we say America first, right? And uh, I do make a distinction between certain types of identity and another. So, if, for example, if it's culture that's freely chosen, I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I think religion is a part of that. Ideology is a part of that. Those mm. are legitimate differences. The, the, when it becomes more problematic when that becomes conflated with differences that are not chosen, like race or geography, right? And those two things do become conflated. And when that happens now, it's a tangled knot where uh, you simply uh, uh, follow uh, what, what you believe your group should believe. The, it become, ideas become ideology and they become calcified. And at that point, it's very difficult to not become a reactionary, knee-jerk sort of person who simply takes a position based on, does that belong to my group or mm -hmm. not? You know, it's often been said that, you know, America was kind of founded uh, on the principle of this melting pot and all of these different identities and that context uh, mixing and melding together. Don't we stand at sort of a crossroads of, of deciding whether or not uh, that melting pot can truly exist in the environment we live in today? That's a very good question. I, well, we also have to ask, has it ever been really a melting pot? Or is it Fair uh, point. more of a stew? Uh, and, and again, uh, I'm not necessarily saying that one version is better than the other. But these are the issues that have to be addressed head on rather than, you know, pussyfooting around them and try to sweep them under the carpet. Uh, again, um, my personal view is that something that's freely chosen, if an adult actually studies all the religions and all the political systems and makes a decision that this is my ideology, whether that's correct or not, they have a right to do that and mm -hmm. identify with others who, uh, who believe similarly. But, you know, most people, let me put it this way, are not well, choosing uh, probably their religion or their ideology that way. They're not rational about it. It's usually because they were born into it, mm -hmm. right? Right. Because of a geography or they think that people that look like me or my gender believe in this, therefore I should. That's the problem right there. And isn't there a delineation between, you know, this is what I believe and this is the identity that I ascribe to and the group that I uh, feel most comfortable associating with and then taking that to the extreme of, 
I, I think we should exclude all others who are not part of that group. Absolutely. Absolutely. There is, you know, there's degrees and nuance to all of this, of course. Um, I don't believe that you can. In fact, I'm an advocate for for identity politics in a sense, again, when it comes to something that's freely chosen. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that. I'm not coming from the hippie point of view. of Let's all get along. Right. Not at all. uh, I actually believe that certain cultures are better than others as long as you define what you mean by better. Right. Not everything is equal. Mm. But when that becomes, again, conflated with race or gender or something that's not chosen, then uh, I, I don't think our brains are really wired to, to make that distinction. It's very difficult. And now you can teach, you know, one, one solution would be to try to teach critical thinking at an earlier age in elementary school, middle school, and high school where it's not taught at all. But it may be even deeper than that. It may be a, uh, a situation where without a, a spiritual solution, all the political maneuvering in the world will not fix this. Let me ask you this, just in the in the last uh, half a minute or so that we that we have here. Sure. Um, in recent years, uh, Hollywood, in your experience, I mean, to tap into your experience uh, in the entertainment industry, Hollywood has really sort of embraced this idea of inclusion and um, trying to move society to um, be more accepting and and more open about uh, all of these different topics. Yeah. Is that really the best? platform to transform the conversation? Well, I understand what they're trying to do. Look, Hollywood has always been very exclusive. It's sort of based on that, isn't it? The whole concept of a star being someone better than you, yeah. <laughs> that you uh, uh, identify with, uh, that's been the norm. And it has um, excluded identities, it's manipulated identities. Uh, and now what it's trying to do in reaction is play the woke game, right? Yeah. That's the buzzword for it now. But in my opinion, that's still being controlled by identity. It's musical chairs where now this group gets this many seats and the other group gets fewer seats. I'm not sure if that's the best solution. As we mentioned, the uh, books are uh, certainly very timely and they're very thought-provoking. Mistake of Identity <laughs> and Dog Whistling Dixie Past the Graveyard. Do you have a website where uh, folks can learn more about the books? My own website is simply my name, which is Darius Kamali, K-A-M-A-L-I. And both the books, Dog Whistling Dixie Pass a Graveyard and Mistake of Identity, by the way, has a subtitle, which is Midnight Musings and Twisted Tweets on Postmodern <laughs> Identity. Both of the <laughs> very long titles. Uh, both of those are available on Amazon. And so between the website and Amazon, you can find everything you need. Darius Kamali, thanks very much for taking the time. A lot of stuff to think about there and chew on. We appreciate you joining us. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Generally speaking, this is just a a good rule of thumb. Fireworks and alcohol are never a good combination. Man in Russia was caught on his security camera lighting fireworks inside his apartment on New Year's Eve. (laughs) A lot of people will set off fireworks New Year's Eve. Generally, indoors, not a good idea. And again, alcohol involved. After several attempts, he does manage to light the fuse before nonchalantly picking up the box, intending to to take them outside, presumably, But the box begins to explode as he leaves the room before the video cuts to a shot of him putting down the box outside and just walking away casually. Russian police are said to be investigating the incident. (laughs) That is just just all kinds of weird. So many wrong things going on there in that story. Elsewhere in the broken news, our dumb criminal of the day has to be this man from Mobile, Alabama. Uh, And uh, let me see if I can uh, get his name. Uh, 60-year-old Michael McClellan (laughs) tried to steal something very odd uh, the other day. A set of outdoor sports bleachers. (laughs) He tried to steal... A set of bleachers. Um, not very often do you find people who try to uh, steal that, and probably with good reason. Uh, 
<laughs> but uh, Mr. McClellan latched the bleachers to his sedan and tried to drive off, dragging his prize behind him. Uh, well, they were too big to fit on top of the vehicle, so he had to hook up a, a chain or something and try to, to drag them behind his vehicle, his sedan. He didn't get very far because a police officer noticed the strange cargo and <laughs> and pulled Mr. McClellan over. It became apparent that he in no way owned the bleachers and he was booked into the local jail about 45 minutes after being popped by the police. <laughs> Must have been quite a sight. Can you imagine being the police officer and seeing this guy dragging a set of bleachers behind his sedan down the road? Um, Mr. McClellan has been charged with first-degree theft. As for the bleachers, they have been returned to their home at uh, the uh, local outdoor tennis center, Lions Park. Here in Mobile. <laughs> no worse for wear, apparently. <laughs> Fine. What makes you What makes you look at those bleachers and say, I gotta have that. I gotta have those. I'll just hook them up to my sedan and drive it home. <clears throat> this is how you know you're having a bad day. Dozens of people had to be rescued after getting stranded on a floating chunk of ice in Green Bay, Wisconsin. The county sheriff's office received a report that a large slab of ice had broken off the shoreline and more than two dozen people were stranded on it. In less than two hours, all 30 uh, of the individuals were rescued. Law enforcement said that the breakage was likely caused by a barge moving through the area, uh, causing some wake under the ice. Witnesses described the sound of the breaking ice as being as loud as gunfire. <laughs> You're partying on a chunk of ice out there in the uh, frozen lake. That is not a sound you want to hear. Not a sound you want to hear. And finally, in the broken news this morning... Imagine that you're tucked in your bed all nice and cozy when suddenly a car alarm goes off right outside your window. Uh, now, you would expect that the owner of the car would take care of the problem in a timely manner. But what if the neighbor never came and instead let the alarm go off until it drained the battery 10 hours later? That's what happened in Brighton, England. A report in the in the Sun newspaper uh, says a little black Audi serenaded a wealthy neighborhood during the overnight hours. <laughs> Some people writing not so nice notes to leave on the car when it became apparent that the owner was not going to do anything about the noise. While the majority of the notes were handwritten, one was painstakingly composed on a word document and taped neatly to the windshield. Message that starts off nice enough, but then it goes on, becomes apparent the person who wrote it was only a few car honks away from vandalizing the vehicle. Your vehicle has been defecating into the clean air for the last 10 hours. <laughs> and the person says they were ready to assail the hunk of tin in revenge. The car car's owner has yet to be identified, but according to the residents of the neighborhood, the vehicle is now parked uh, in another area of the neighborhood. So apparently... He had it moved or towed or something, but can you imagine 10 hours that car honking until the battery died? There you go. Uh, that is today's broken news report. Uh, this update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. First, it was the decision about whether you should get the COVID-19 vaccination. Now, it's about whether to get your children, as young as age five, to roll up their sleeves and get the shot. Parents have a big decision to make. How safe is the vaccine for young children? And what about any long-term effects? What if the president mandates your child be vaccinated? You have questions, and we'll continue to provide the latest information on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. Earlier, we were talking about some of the early political polling as we head into a midterm election year. This new poll from the Associated Press Nork Center for Public Affairs, uh, Public Affairs Research uh, finds that among the issues that Americans are concerned about, 
uh, heading into 2022, we are less focused on government intervention in the COVID pandemic and more uh, focused on uh, uh, addressing inflation. And this is compared to where we were uh, a year ago. Just 37% named the pandemic as one of their top five priorities for the government to work on in 2022. Uh, a year ago at the same time, that number was 53%. So we've gone from 53 to 37% of people who think that that is a major priority for the, the government. Uh, 68% in this poll said the economy is one of their top five priorities this year. Now, that is about the same percentage as last year, but specifically mentions of inflation were up significantly. Last year, it was less than 1%. Now, that's 14%. People say we need to address inflation. 24% say the uh, addressing the cost of living is a needed government priority. A year ago, that was half that number. Uh, even higher percentages of people cited other issues as needing action, uh, more so today than at the same time last year. Immigration, among them among Republicans, and gun control among Democrats, the, uh, some of the top responses. Now, the Associated Press did note that this poll was actually taken in early December, and that was when concerns about the Omicron variant were rising, but it had not yet led to the huge influx in cases and hospitalizations that we have seen uh, in the intervening weeks. However, they did point out that in recent follow-ups with these same individuals, many said that uh, their viewpoint had not changed at all. So kind of interesting with respect to that, that uh, even though we've seen this new surge, that still is not a very high priority for people in 2022, at least according to this uh, poll from the Associated Press Nork Center for Public Affairs Research. So here we are into a new year. It is the time for New Year's resolutions. Fitness resolutions are always some of the most popular ones that people make. And maybe especially this year, after the COVID pandemic and so on. But anyone and everyone looking to live healthy and live well in 2022 and beyond, the Hancock County OSU Extension has resources to help you reach that goal. And Extension educator Jennifer Little is with us uh, on the line this morning. Uh, Jennifer, that is the uh, title of this program, Live Healthy and Live Well. Yes, yes, Chris. Um, I am part of a team of extension educators here in Ohio um, that work to provide information um, for area Ohioans about uh, ways that they can live healthy and live well. And that encompasses a lot of things. That encompasses financial health. It encompasses physical health. Mm. It encompasses mental and emotional health okay. and well-being. And I, and I tell you, it's, um, it's been a great to be a part of this team and learn about some of the resources and some of the specialists and information that we have as a part of Extension um, to help improve the lives of Ohioans in a lot of different ways. So uh, um, that was going to be one of my questions. What kind of resources uh, are, are we talking about here? It sounds like, uh, like you said, it's a pretty comprehensive program. Yes, yes. Um, well, because, again, in this age of social media and in this age of um, social distancing because mm-hmm. of coronavirus, there is a variety of ways that people can access this information. Um, there's actually a Live Healthy, Live Well Facebook page, um, and people can go there and be updated. They can be linked with um, current information related to science and health and well-being, as opposed to also mental health and organizations. And they, um, they um, grab, organ- grab information from people like the American Heart Association, the American Diabetes Association, um, the Centers for Disease Control. So when it comes to physical health, um, they, the um, state specialists and the area specialists, they peruse information from um, professional you know, health journals, mm-hmm. as well as um, other scientific, you know, other um, health organizations, and try to put that information in a format that is easily understood and um, 
and easy to access for just the common person. You know, we yeah. don't necessarily all, we aren't all reading scientific journals. We're not all <laughs> right. necessarily visiting the diabetes website on a regular basis, but the Live Healthy, Live Well Facebook page is a great way to kind of access a variety of information on a variety of different topics that you might be interested in a, you know, quick click, you know. Um, yeah, sort of a clearinghouse format, of, yeah. uh, of information with respect to that. And you and you mentioned uh, it's not just a physical and, and mental health, but also financial health as well? Yes, yes. And, um, and it's some, one of the um, we just had a team, a virtual team meeting, as we, as so many of them are these days. Right. Uh, last week, and we have specialists um, on Live Healthy, Live Well state team related to um, aging healthfully, and that can be a variety mm. of things. Um, I myself am in the sandwich generation. I have grown children, but I also have aging parents and right. helping um, my mom kind of navigate things like Medicare, things like making decisions for staying in the home and being able to care for herself and, um, and what, you know, what the next steps hold for her. And, and that can be, I think there are many, many people in this situation, especially with the past few years of the pandemic trying Absolutely. to help um, their loved ones navigate the situation and, and understanding, you know, how, how can we maintain um, the, the physical health, but also address those emotional needs of our, old, our aging parents. Um, some of the other resources that there are, there are also um, email challenges. This past fall, we did an email challenge um, related to playing your way through the holidays. And it's a six-weeks challenge for people that um, they usually do one in the fall and one in the spring. So there'll be one coming up in March and April um, where um, people can kind of sign up and they will get um, a message in their inbox twice a week. And it will be um, related to, it will be a brief article um, related to some aspect of health. And for the fall, it was, you know, play your way through the holidays. So it was talking about how to make the holidays a less stressful time mm-hmm. and how we can incorporate things like physical activity even during the cold weather months and the busy um, holiday season. So it was, kind of, it was a very fun, um, yeah. it was a very fun thing. And there had, um, besides the, um, weekly emails that went out to people that signed up for this to participate. There was also a bingo challenge. Um, everyone got sent out a bingo card, and they were able to kind of mark off things that they did to um, make a um, concerted effort to be healthy over the holidays, whether it's like, um, you know, saving money by packing a snack, things like right. um, taking a play break during, the busy, during a busy work day um, or doing a good deed for someone else. Those are little things that, you know, just, again, kind of a challenge to help us be more intentional about the way that we live to incorporate some of these things that are good for ourselves and good for those around us and helping to make um, the stressful holiday season something that is more playful and enjoyable yeah. and being more intentional about that versus a, just letting it kind of happen. <laughs> a perfect example. And this is a year-round program. This is not just for yes. the you know resolution season, as it were. Yes, this Live Healthy, Live Well, like I said, all, all year round, they have the um, Facebook page where um, people can go and be connected to um, okay. topics related to health, all aspects of health. There is also a Live Healthy, Live Well blog, and there's a team of people that um, produce articles. And actually, I'm going to be posting an article um, this week related to um, human trafficking. There is a this, mm. Ohio is one of is fourth in the nation um, as far as states that are involved with um, the issue of human trafficking, and that is something that it, that they're um, just raising people's awareness. Yeah. Actually, then tomorrow is Human Trafficking Awareness Day, and people are supposed to wear blue to kind of call their attention, and that's something, especially in Northwest Ohio, because we're right here on the I seventy five corridor. Um, so yeah information related to health and well-being, and that's something that we don't necessarily think about being related to um, everyday citizens, but it is um, an issue that affects people of all socioeconomic backgrounds Yeah. Um, because of um, the ages. You know, we all have teenagers. We all have people that are vulnerable. Right. We all have people that are kind of marginalized for one reason or another that are more likely to be a victim of human trafficking. So, so and, and yeah, so, so there's um, information like that, and there's also um, 
There is also you can also sign up for texts. If you if you don't want to get involved in reading a blog or visiting a Facebook page, you can actually sign up for texts, and you can get just a couple line texts just of um, that will encourage you to um, do something healthy, whether it be um, taking a few moments every day to relax. Um, or taking a break to get some physical activity. It's good to, you know, about once an hour and to make sure, that, especially if we, have de- yeah. if we have jobs or we're sitting at a desk, you know, getting up once an hour, making sure that we're walking around and having some physical movement. So That's some, good not only for our physical health, keeping our cardiovascular system healthy, but also our mental our health. Our mental health, yeah, um, absolutely. Lowering our stress so, and um, so providing I um, a healthier brain. I uh, jump in here real quick because we're almost out of time. The uh, Live Healthy, Live Well program uh, is uh, the, probably the easiest thing is to uh, uh, go right to the website to learn more uh, about it. You have a uh, uh, website in conjunction with this, right? Yes, yes. Um, the website is, you can go to um, go.osu.edu and there's, for the Facebook page, backslash FBLHLW. And actually, the LHLW, if you go to Ohio State Extension and put in Live Healthy, Live Well, it will take you where you need to go, and you can get access to um, the various um, various parts of this program. So whether it be the Facebook page, whether it be the blog, or whether it be um, signing up for those text alerts. So that will take you to the homepage. All right. And we- anyone who... Um, get some emails from me i usually have a link to it at the bottom of my email my email address so thank you very All much right. for having me on here chris mm-hmm. and i hope wish everyone a happy and a healthy new year and um, please reach out to us if you have any more questions about the live healthy live well program i would love to talk to people about it terrific we'll uh, link it up on our webpage again jennifer little osu extension hancock county thanks very much for the time we appreciate it thank you chris And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That is goodmornings.net, of course. Coming up tomorrow on the show, Congressman Bob Latta will join us to talk about his legislative priorities for the year ahead in Washington. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.